Hello, hello, and what is up, teachers? Today we have a very special guest. Jennifer Webb is an assistant principal, as well as the author of several books on teaching and learning, including How to Teach English Literature, Teach Like a Writer, The Metacognition Handbook. And Jennifer, you have a new book coming out very soon. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, it's called Essential Grammar, uh, the resource book every English teacher will need. No, every secondary English teacher will need, um, I'm told by Routledge, I keep getting that wrong, um, that I've co-authored with uh, Marcello Giovanelli, who is like famous for English teachers, but no one else will know who that is. Amazing. And, and you said that's out on the 4th of July. Yeah, yeah, really exciting. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And how are you today, Jennifer? It's been a while. All right. Yeah. Warm. <laughs> it's I'll even warm in Yorkshire, which means it must be really warm. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm yeah. not too sure how I feel about it. See, I'm all right in the daytime, but the nighttime, it's messing up my sleep a bit, you know. I mean, I'm it's just... messing up my kids' sleep, which is the most problematic thing, because that's really annoying. Um, yeah, I've just had to, like, douse them both in water and throw them in bed. They're losing their minds. Yeah. No, I could imagine. So today... Jennifer's going to give us five tips to motivate reluctant writers. So what is your first tip today for us, Jennifer? Okay, so um, when I say reluctant writers, what I mean is students who, for whatever reason, really struggle with their motivation. And often that's because of their self-efficacy, so their belief in their ability to do it. And so if they don't believe that they can produce something good, often they just don't want to start. And that's um, obviously really difficult. So first one is extremely simple. Um, mm -hmm. I have um, cultivated a habit of having my red pen in one hand and my blue highlighter in the other that I walk around with all the time in my classroom when my students are writing and I literally approach a student who I know is a reluctant writer who will write very slowly or not really get started or kind of do the bare minimum and I will put a dot in the margin of their book which means that brilliant you've got to this point and by the time I get back around to you when I do my lap of the classroom you will have got to this point so it's a really 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 simple visual prompt that they know exactly what it means and it's not saying you have to do this really really complicated thing it's about getting quantity out of them which actually is often as important as quality um particularly when we're training them to you know write at length and explain things so dotting the margin is tip number one. Oh wow so so that's something that you've developed over time and that's part of your expectations in the classroom so they know what that means when you come around with a dot it's like okay i'm up to this point now i need to get further when when miss does the second lap yeah and it's really simple right. because if i have to explain to them something really complicated like no you need to construct your thesis like this or you need to add this judgment here and obviously i want to do that at other points but this is very much a kind of it's a nudge it's a, nudge, yeah. not a nag it's a come on I know you can do this this is where we're going to get to next and it's like keep putting one foot in front of the other and with yeah. some students the dot will be halfway down the page and for some students it'll be a few lines later and it's just saying come on just a little bit more a little bit more don't yeah stop. yeah no I like that because you can apply that quite easily right it's just something yeah. you can just do it doesn't involve a confrontation of any kind and you could just you can just do it amazing most of my teaching is can I do it without having planned it <laughs> Well, you know what? <laughs> I like that. So what is your second tip for us today? Okay, so this also involves the margin. I'm a bit of a margin obsessive. Um, a lot of my things involve the margin, but this is for mm -hmm. students this time. So I believe really strongly that students should be, um, I call it being in conversation with your margin. And I talk to them about how the margin on the page is like a space for them to be able to... Um, tell me things but also mm -hmm. tell themselves things it's like a little note area so 
what I ask them to do is something which I know they do in some other subjects quite a lot. And in my school, they do it in science as a habitual thing. If a student's really unsure of an answer they're giving, they have trained their students in our science department to put a G in the margin to indicate that that was a guess, right? So it's really useful because what it tells the teacher is, yes, they got that right, but it was actually a guess. So even though they got it right, it might have been a fluke or it might be, it's still something they don't know really well, if that makes sense. Um, and that's really helpful for the teacher, but it's also really helpful for the student because if a student isn't confident, sometimes they just won't write anything. Mm -hmm. If they know that they can indicate that it was a guess, they're more brave in writing something down. So it at least tells the teacher that actually they did know it, but they weren't sure they knew it or they knew a bit of it or they were sort of on the right line. So it's really helpful um, dialogue. So I do that in English sometimes. So I either get them to write a G in the margin. Um, if it's something that's a relatively short answer or something where they're not really certain they've used that word right. Or um, I get them to put a confidence score. So out of 10, how confident are you that this meets the brief that we've given you? Like, how confident are you that this is the right thing that you've done and again it takes the challenge away for the student it takes that kind of sense that this has got to be perfect away because sometimes what they're scared of is that you will read their writing and go oh god this is what they think they're stupid and actually that's never what we think but in their heads because they've put it down on paper they've committed to that stance and actually by putting a g in the margin or putting a kind of i'm kind of only 50 50 sure this is okay yeah in the margin they're they're not committing to it fully and it makes it less scary so a g or a confidence score in the margin from the student is a really useful way of taking the threat away i think i really like that because then you as the teacher you can go back and and revisit stuff if, if half your class are, are at least saying that they've guessed, then it's worth revisiting that next lesson as part of your starter activity exactly. or just going through stuff again. Because sometimes we assume, okay, well, they got it right. We can move on now. Yeah, um, exactly. And it's not always a good idea, is it? Because we, you don't know how they got it right. They could have guessed. They could have just copied the person next to them. They could have, there's a number of things. No, I like also, this. It's also really powerful in a range of subjects, actually, that because when a, and, and you you know loads of people who teach math for example will be really aware of math anxiety as a problem and mm. when a child um goes into a subject and is trying something where they really have very low self-efficacy they just yeah they're very good at that subject they will often um underestimate how good they are so a student might actually be perfectly capable of answering a question but so they might answer the question because you've taken the threat away because they're going to write a G or they're going to write a three out of 10 confidence score or something. But then they've absolutely nailed the question. So when they get the feedback, they go, you can say to them, look, you think you're rubbish at this. Yeah. You nailed it. So and those little experiences time and time again, where they realize that their impression of how good they are is actually a false. Impression. There's a mismatch a lot of the time, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, yeah. that can help increase that over time as well. Mm. Brilliant. And what is your third tip for us today? Okay, so back to kind of purely writing. Often when students are given a question where they have to write something at length, the biggest barrier is starting. So the fear of the blank page is a big thing in English teaching particularly. So because, you know, in some subjects, students have to, at secondary particularly, some students, when they go to, say, a chemistry exam, there'll be a series of short questions. And there are lots of them and they're already complicated and this has its own challenges. But it'll be like, well, that's a two marker. That's a three marker. That's a six marker. That's yeah. A yeah. It feels like you're able to build marks, whereas in English, you'll get two questions that last for two hours. 
write oh, an essay wow. and then write another essay. And so it's not broken down into these little manageable chunks. It's a mm -hmm. big piece of writing. So the fear of the blank page can be really, really scary. Um, what I often say to students is, um, I mean, I'll give you two in one actually here because this is a, another kind of little way to get around it. So if it's not yeah, an exam and you are getting students to write at length in a, in a lesson, um, what I sometimes will do is I'll give them a piece of lined paper and I'll tell them to screw it up into a ball and then unfold it again so it's all straight again but it's full of creases and I say right the paper's a mess now so don't worry about starting that's not a fresh beautiful blank page that you're going to ruin with your writing because it's all a mess or you know draw a couple of stupid squiggles on the bottom and now it doesn't matter what you write on there because the fear is gone does that make sense you kind of it does depurify that space that they're kind of intimidated by before they start writing so that's quite a nice thing to do if you're doing do, like creative do, writing just to interject there do you find uh, what is the response like from students when they do that? Do they respond positively or? That's a bit gimmicky, right? That's the kind of thing I would do if I were teaching a creative writing lesson with students who genuinely just find it really hard to kind of get over that idea that they have to be some kind of genius artist to write anything down. I'm saying to them, look, you're getting across the idea that writing is a messy, non-linear creative process and it's all about mm -hmm. and that kind of thing and that's something I would do in certain situations with the right kind of group I wouldn't do it with my year 10s they would go mental if I did that um if they just wouldn't cope with it they'd be like this is exciting um can I tear some paper now that, that it wouldn't be sensible yeah you know your group right of um, course of course yeah the, the other the other side of that if I were so to achieve the same effect what I will often do if it's an assessed thing and I'm saying to students if you have a blank, because often when students with really low self-efficacy are trying to start a piece of writing, like an essay, they just don't know where uh, to start. They're scared of starting. Jennifer, just to, in, just to interject there, yeah. just for the listeners, because we, we might have some, or we're very likely to, PGCs, ECTs. Mm. What, is, what, do you, what do you mean by self-efficacy in this sense? Okay. Like, or what, what is your def, kind of definition in this sense? Self-efficacy is yeah. your belief that you are able to do something so okay. so there are two like motivation is your willingness to do something how much you want to do it and self-efficacy is your belief that you can do it and those two things are inextricably linked so generally low motivation comes from a sense of low self-efficacy right? got it got it they're intertwined yeah yeah, yeah exactly um and they're both really really important parts along with um self-regulation are, are kind of the triad of metacognition right and that's a kind of big piece of my work is metacognition. of course yeah yeah so, um so anyway that's important but if you want to achieve the same thing without you know being gimmicky and ripping paper up or whatever um <laughs> the um the best tip that i give a lot of my um kind of Un underconfident writers for exams is if you go into that exam and the question scares you and you're not sure how to start leave about four lines and mm -hmm. then start part way through so don't okay. worry about the opening sentence you can come back to that once you know what it is you're actually going to say because writing is a generative process which means uh -huh. often you don't really know what you want to say until you've been saying it for a bit yeah <laughs> yeah writing it down often clarifies your thoughts it does, and as we're, we're both writers ourselves, and, and I, I can testify to that. That's absolutely true. No, completely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so Some that idea of like you don't have to write it all in the in the same order. You no, just leave a gap, and then write the rest of it, and then come back and. Write and it. then come back to it. Yes. No, absolutely. I couldn't Even agree if they more. Come back to it, they probably won't lose many marks. 
if they haven't got an introduction sentence, but they got going and that's enough. Fine, fine. Excellent. So what is your fourth tip for us today? Um, fourth tip is that they, um, the, if a student doesn't understand a question prompt in an exam, so like if they're given something independently that they are, um, they, they just don't understand what they're being asked to do, they should identify, like they should look at the, the entire question they should highlight or circle the words that they do understand so they understand what those words mean individually. So normally they'll be like a character name in my subject or a concept or a whatever it is. So it might be something like masculinity or it might be something like um, violence or something like that or a character mm-hmm. name. And or it might be, you know, a nonfiction question. They're being asked to talk about, I don't know, the ethics of, I don't know, public transport, which is what came up on the exam last week. Right. If they don't understand the whole question, they sometimes melt down because they're thinking, I have to understand all of this. And they just don't. So highlight the things in the question you do understand. Brain dump everything you know about those things and then just start writing sentences. Now, it doesn't have to like because otherwise you're going to write nothing. Right. It's about mm-hmm. down. So if you've got this like at the absolute worst case scenario, you are going to identify some words. You're going to write down everything you know about them as like a little mind map. And then you're just going to start writing sentences about each one and say um, this, you know, masculinity is blah, 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 blah. And, and you can start to connect those things together. And even if therefore you don't ever write a really good essay in my subject, you've still written things down that show the examiner that you understand some things and you will pick up some marks. So it's about that kind of how do we salvage something that will literally Truly, just be a train wreck. Now, ninety-nine percent of students. Th- th- this, these are strategies I'm thinking about for students who have like profound issues with exams and that can shut down. Um, and we've all taught students like that. But those students, there are ways for them to kind of protect themselves from that. And I think that's a really important thing. So, um, everything you understand, find something, salvage it, start writing sentences, and just see what happens. Yeah, and you could put it together after. Mm. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, what is your fifth and final tip for us today? The fifth one would pull all those things together, basically. So uh-huh. I would. I'm a massive big advocate of um, a pre mortem for any kind of big piece of work. So whether that's um, an exam, an internal assessment, an extended piece of writing, whatever independent thing they're going to do by themselves, I like to pre mortem it, which is let's think about what's coming up. Let's pull apart all of all the things that it's going to be, all the things it's going to ask us, what do we know is going to be difficult about this thing? So what does it look like? Um, In my metacognition book, I talk about... um, Could could you give an example? Yeah, yes. Yeah, sure. If I... um, if I'm about to go into my English literature paper one, right, um, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to pre-mortem it. So I'm going to write down, what do I know about this thing that's coming up? What do I know about it logistically? Like, how long is it? What will I have to do? What kind of questions will there be? How many questions are there? How many marks are there? What are the marks for, right? That's comprehension, right? That's the first thing. What is it? What do I understand? Yeah. Um, then I'm going to think about... Um, connection like when have I done something like this before what do I remember about this thing that I've done in the past um when what what like can I learn anything from that was it a car crash was it okay what were the things I was good at how can I make sure I'm still good at those things right um but then thinking really really carefully about the things that I predict I'm going to struggle with right what are the things that could happen what are the worst case scenario could come up and what will I do 
in that case because I think it's I really really talk I talk to my kids a lot about battle planning it out so mm-hmm. I had a student this year who's wonderful and I think will do really well actually but has an absolute terror of unseen texts so mm-hmm. they have to look at things they've never seen before and this student has just melted down in exams in mock exams and we started battle planning it out right what happens if something completely nuts comes up you haven't got a clue and you really really kind of get anxious about it what is in the worst case scenario what are you going to do and getting that student to write out her strategies was an extremely powerful thing so that idea of the pre-mortem like rather than worrying about it afterwards let's worry about it now let's think about what could happen and what we can do to put ourselves in the best position because sometimes bad things do happen to us and sometimes what i don't you have to be ready that's what that's what this is all about you have to be ready for anything that comes your your way in an exam otherwise i'm a massive big fan of this idea that like we have to be in control of every aspect of our life. Like there's no point in sleepwalking through life and just hoping for the best. I hate that like, oh, you know, fingers crossed. No, don't cross your fingers. No, be ready, be prepared prepared. as much as you can be, as much as, yeah. And like we talk to, you know, our cohort a lot about kind of the fact that being under pressure is it's a transformative experience and it's difficult but we'll all have to do it so you've got to do it and you just got to get your head around it and you know we say um we are hard pressed on every side but not crushed you know that's from corinthians i'm at a church of england school but like that idea that you know these things happen to us but they don't destroy us they make us much better and i know that sounds really cheesy but actually it well, it's true. Is important, and so that idea yeah. of pre-mortem, you're saying, I acknowledge this is going to be rough, or I acknowledge this could be awful. So, how am I going to mitigate that? How am I going to yeah. make sure I have the tools and the preparation? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I'm not about that life. No, of course not. Fingers crossed, everything will be fine. It's like, well, how do you know that? You need to be ready, right, for for whatever comes your way. And, and if you're just going to cross your fingers, that's that's yeah. Well, that's not that's not acting. Uh, yeah. But but if you're going to cross your fingers, you have to just accept whatever comes your way because essentially yes. it's going to be in receipt of whatever it is life throws at you. But actually, I'd much rather my students decided that's what I want. That's how I'm going to get it. So yeah. I go like I'm going to go and get that thing. I'm not going to wait for that thing and just wait and see. I'm not about it. No, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for today, Jennifer. It has been a real pleasure, as always. Delightful. Brilliant. Cool. All the best. Take care. See you. Bye-bye. Bye.